Hi family, welcome to the PIWC Accra podcast, where we are inspired, challenged and equipped to possess our spheres of influence with principles and values from the word of God, preached and taught powerfully by anointed and seasoned men and women of God. We believe strongly that this word will bless your life, so do not keep it to yourself, share it with someone you know needs to hear it. On today's episode of the podcast, we are certain that you'd be blessed even as you receive the ministration of God's word with open hearts. Now family, let's get into the word of God. When Isaac planted his crops that year, he harvested a hundred times more grain than he planted, for the Lord blessed him. He became a very rich man, and his wealth continued to grow. He acquired so many flocks of sheep and goats, heads of cattle, and servants that the Philistines became jealous of him. Hallelujah. We are continuing our unstoppable increase as a sign of a miraculous intervention of God in the affairs of man. I am praying for grace that today we would walk through slowly because it's intended to be a kind of a teaching so that we can acquire the necessary knowledge for us to make the road to the path of wealth. Hallelujah. As a background, we'll be making certain categorical statements and uh, we would back it with scripture so that we can understand a few things about this thing called wealth creation or the unstoppable increase of God. The first statement I would want to make is that it must be understood that not everyone will be wealthy. Hello? Not everyone will be wealthy. And it's important that we capture this because if you are not careful, we would get ourselves into a cycle of failed expectations, unmet expectations, hopes unrealized that makes our hearts sick and probably even put us to the point of beginning to doubt the grace of God on our lives. But let it be known that not everyone will be wealthy. And even those that by the grace of God will get to the place of wealth. The level of the wealth and the timing of the wealth is different. We will not all be wealthy at early stage. Those that will be wealthy. And not all will be wealthy even in their middle age. And not all will be wealthy even in their old age. The timing of the wealth is different. The timing of the wealth is different. We may want to read Deuteronomy 15 and verse 11, where the scripture records, and I read Deuteronomy 15 and verse 11. This is what the Lord said concerning those that were inheriting the promise that he had given to the people of Israel. So, I'm reading from the Holman's Christian Standard. He said, For there will never cease to be poor people in the land. That is why I am commanding you. You must willingly open your hand to your afflicted and poor brother in your land. As a scripture. The Lord's statement is that there will never cease to be poor people in our midst. There will never cease to be poor people. Now, let us put this in perspective. It does not therefore mean that Across the broad spectrum of all life, it is not possible for one that is poor to transcend the period of poverty to the period of wealth. There are stages. I made a statement when we started that the timing of wealth is different. And it is peculiar to each one. But it must be understood. But there would always be poor people among us. As we go along, we may get to the point of understanding why some people 
may end up remaining poor. Unstoppable increase for maximum impact. If you're wondering why I am making statement about poverty when we are talking about unstoppable increase, it is important for us to place these things in perspective because otherwise we'll have problems. And envy will start creeping in. John 12 and verse 8, the Lord Jesus mentioned the same thing when the alabaster jar had been broken and poured on his feet and some were murmuring that if it had been sold and the money given to the poor, it had even been more profitable. And he said, as for the poor, you would always have them in your midst. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. But within the spectrum of poverty, there are those that are poor because they are lazy and have no interest of moving from the point of their poverty to the place of wealth. There are those like that. I am tempted to think that is a demon that has bedeviled people's thinking to make them think that they are incapable of tapping into the provision of God. But there are principles of the scriptures and of God that if a man follows, will enable you to attract the wealth of God. Hallelujah. There are principles that when we follow, would attract wealth to ourselves. But David speaking about these things in Proverbs 30, made a statement which is interesting. When you read Proverbs 30 from 7 through 9, it anchors this. But let me just paraphrase it to say this. He was saying that I know I can be poor. And I know that I can also be rich. But just give me that which is enough. So that I don't get so rich that it gets me to a place where I forget that you exist. And I ignore your presence. Or don't let me become so poor that I may probably engage in ungodly practices and bring shame to your name. Now what it means is this. There is a progressional activity that we can go through from a place of poverty to a place of wealth. The danger of wealth includes the risk of ignoring God. And the danger of poverty includes the risk of engaging in ungodly practices. But the writer in Proverbs is saying that, Lord, I know I can fall to these two extremes, but just let me be in between the two so that my wealth does not become a problem that causes me to forget you. And so I am tempted to believe that on the basis of Scripture that because of God's great love for us, if for any reason God's own such light determines that you have not matured to the point where wealth will not become a trap for you. You won't get into that place where the wealth will entrap you. And God loves us so much that if a certain level of wealth will create a problem for you, he will not let you get it. He will not let you get it. He is so loving to that extent. As recorded in James 5, we know that. He says that when we ask, we don't get. Because we are seeking to satisfy our pleasures. What it means is that whenever the desire for wealth is not anchored in God's purposes for the wealth, when you find the wealth, uh, there is a problem. You are entering dangerous grounds. You are getting to a point where I am tempted to say that probably your wealth has not been one that is coming from the blessing of the Lord. And we'll come to that. You can make wealth without God. It, it's clear. And that is the other category, categorical statement I'm making. There is a need to know the difference between wealth that comes from the supernatural intervention of God in a man's life and wealth that is a natural consequence of hard work and good fortune. We need to draw a clear distinction between this. There is a wealth that comes from hard work. Now, I know that within our timings, within these periods, there are many instances where people question that why are some nations who do not know God are prospering and the, the nations that 
know God are not prospering. Um, I stand to be corrected. I know I am speaking across this virtual space and this may probably have no uh, limitations where it will reach. But with the exception of Israel, as recorded in scripture as chosen by God, there is no godly nation in this our world. There is none. There is not even one. America was formulated by God-inspired, Holy Ghost-filled Christians. But America is not a Christian nation. It is not. It's a secular nation. Because you see, biblical principles dictate certain kinds of laws, policies, and practices that until you are following them to the letter, you cannot call yourself living according to kingdom principles. When Jesus was spoken to concerning the kingdom of God, he says that kingdom is not of this world. So the kingdom principles are lived by people that are not located in any particular place. We are scattered. But we are governed under the spiritual umbrella of the Holy Spirit who inspires us to respond to the word of God and live thereby. And so when you talk about a nation that is probably a godly nation that is not prospering, I dare say there is none. There is not one nation that is a, a godly nation. It's only one. The country of covenant which God himself has created. Are we together? So understand that when a man finds himself educated, when a man finds himself well-placed, when a man finds himself in a wealthy family, when a man finds himself born out into a royalty, now the capacity for them to make world out of natural consequences exists. It exists. And wealth can be created. So don't make the mistake of thinking that anyone that probably is wealthy, uh, it is just the blessing of the Lord. No. So the nations that are prospering through whatever means, natural consequences, the minerals and resources they have, uh, proper systems of governance that they have that is enabling productivity to create wealth, when they are benefiting from those activities, it, isn't not, it is not because God has uh, forgotten about those who call on him. It is because they are producing wealth out of the natural consequences of hard work and resource. But there is the other side of the supernatural intervention of God, where probably like some of us can use ourselves as point of contact, where the job that turned my life around was given to me by a man who had seen me when I was in this form. And I didn't even know him. I never talked to him. But fast forward, if I calculate properly, 10, 11 years afterwards, he comes and moves me into another place of my job and tells me that, oh, I saw you when you were a chapel prefect at Presec. This is divine intervention. Moving me from work that was causing me grief to work that has changed my life and consistently done so till now. These are divine interventions that I cannot for any reason think that it's because I am smart or my family is connected. Nobody in my family knew that man. I actually didn't even know him. But to use an account phrase, no one who will see. Hallelujah. Another statement I'll make is that wealth life or the lifestyle of wealth is cultivated. It is cultivated by intentional pursuit of certain principles. Um, let me read this scripture. 2 Corinthians chapter 9. 2 Corinthians chapter 9. And uh, verse 10. 2 Corinthians chapter 9 and verse 10. You need the right attitude to attract and maintain wealth. You need the right attitude to attract and maintain wealth. Now the 2 Corinthians chapter 9 and verse 10 that I'm reading relates to this. He says, now the one who provides seed for the sower and bread for food will provide and multiply your seed and increase the harvest of your righteousness. Now let's pause here. There is somebody who is determining who gets seed to sow and bread for food, as other translations put it. There is somebody. 
He is the one that is determining that this one needs seed for sowing. And another needs bread for food. He is the one that causes the increase and multiply your seed and increase the harvest of your righteousness. So let's see what NIV says. Now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. Let's break it down to what I mentioned by needing the right attitude to attract and maintain wealth. God is the one that is looking to determine who is a, a sower and who is an eater of bread. The one that has a need of seed, you will get the seed. And the one that has need for bread will get bread to eat. Why? Because Paul writing under inspiration of the Holy Spirit said, my God shall supply what? Your what? Your needs. According to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. Your what? Needs. And so the one that is a sower has need of seed and will get his seed. And the one that is an eater of bread has need of bread. So everybody's needs will be met. And so you see, <laughs> God can't be bribed. He knows everybody's heart. He knows everybody's thinking. He knows everybody's state of being. And he knows the ones who are likely to waste resources. And for whose case, the plenty of God, you will not partake in it. The plenty of God, you will not partake in it. Unstoppable increase for maximum impact. But depending on where you stand in the spectrum of responsiveness and stewards mindedness, you may or may not partake in it. Now let's also read Ecclesiastes chapter 11 from verse 1 through to 5. Are we together? I hope I am communicating. Ecclesiastes 11, 11 to 5. Now listen to this. He says, send your, your bread on the surface of the waters, for after many days you may find it. And the word is may. Give a portion to seven or even to eight, for you don't know what disaster may happen on earth. If the clouds are full, they will pour out rain on the earth. Whether a tree falls to the south or the north, the place where the tree falls, there it will lie. One who watches the wind will not sow, and the one who looks at the clouds will not reap. Verse 5. Just as you don't know the path of the wind, or how bones develop in the womb of a pregnant woman. So you don't know the work of God who makes everything. Now, the reason for this scripture that I'm reading is that God is the one that determines. God is the one that determines. He is looking at every circumstance to determine what you are getting. For the tree that falls, whether to the north or to the south, wherever it will fall, that is where it will lie. And he says that, those that are attempting to figure out the things so completely, they will miss the move of God. So they have seen the clouds that they have gathered. And because the clouds have gathered, you may think that, oh, if we go out and plant, probably it will not come out. So we would wait. You will not be able to tap fully into the provisions of God. If you decide to be so exact because it is God who determines these things. Let me mention again the categorical statements that we have been working with so far. That not everyone will be wealthy. Wealth is a lifestyle. There is a difference between productivity from natural progression and supernatural abundance which comes from God's intervention in our lives. Now, I want to make this statement that your vessel determines the limit of your wealth. Your vessel determines the limit of your wealth. It is understood clearly that God is limitless in his capacity to provide, protect, and do us good. He, he, he is limitless. He produces all that we see out of nothing. So, he is not hindered in any way. But... Our ability to receive 
and manifest the wealth and the resources of God, they are dependent on the vessel. Let's read 2 Kings chapter 4 from the verse 1 through 7. 2 Kings 4, verse 1 through 7. The oil that got multiplied. So to paraphrase, the widow said to the prophet that the creditors of the Lord's servant who had died had come to carry away the sons that were left behind. And the prophet asked her, what do you have? What do you have? You need to understand that everyone that has been born of God has something. At every stage in your life, there is something that you have. At every stage in your life, there is something. And the Lord would always bless the things that we have. The Deuteronomy 28, Deuteronomy 8, and Deuteronomy 18 that we have been reading about the blessings of the Lord. They speak clearly about these things. He says, I will bless your band. Which means that you must have a ban. When you go out, I will bless you. It means you must go out. When you come in, I will bless you. It means you must be coming in. I will increase your livestock. It means you must have a livestock. I will increase your harvest. It means you must have a harvest. At any point in time, there is something you must have. And that is where the challenge is. Many of us are not looking into ourselves to find what God has deposited. Everybody has a deposit. Everyone has a deposit. A young lady among us in our church, very devoted, realized that her job was not doing very well. And uh, we were challenged to try to have conversations with her. And the education is not at the level that probably some of us can put her through the things that we have been involved in. But she showed so much commitment. Some of the brethren tried to help her with selling. But it wasn't working. Because the nature of the selling that they were doing didn't work. Out of a conversation, it was mentioned, Oh, why don't you try selling some dresses? And she started. It was a simple conversation that we had. We said, ah, but do you know how to use Instagram? She said, um, yeah, but how does, how does it work for marketing? I said, I myself, I don't even know. But I only know how to post. So let's pray to God and ask God's grace over what you do. Just like that. Now that lady goes out of the country to bring stuff to sell. Hello. Everybody has something. If you do not regard humble beginnings, it will be difficult to take part in the great harvest. We should not despise humble beginnings. For the harvest is in the seed. The harvest is in the seed. The scripture we read in 2 Kings indicate that the prophet told her, go and borrow containers. Go, borrow, borrow. So it said that as soon as the last container was filled and they said, oh, the containers are finished, the oil stopped flowing. Which meant that if there had been more containers, the flow of the oil would have continued. How are you limiting yourself? How are you limiting yourself? What are you regarding as relevant and what are you disregarding? Hallelujah. We want to specifically look at the example of Isaac, which we have just been considering for the whole week. Let's go back to the Genesis 26. Before we do that, let me just give the scripture that backs the categorical statement I made concerning the harvest being in the seed. Zechariah 8 and verse 12. Zechariah 8 and verse 12. Zechariah 8 and verse 12. And I'll just read it briefly from the Holman's Christian Standard Bible. 
For they will sow in peace. The vine will yield its fruit. The land will yield its produce. And the skies will yield their dew. I will give the remnants of this people all these things as an inheritance. This is the promise of the Lord. They will sow. Can you repeat after me? They will sow. They will sow. They will sow. Right. So now let's go to Genesis 26 and learn a few things from the experience of Isaac. Now, Genesis 26 and verse 1, what does it say? Genesis 26 and verse 1. There was another famine in the land in addition to the one that had occurred in Abraham's time. And Isaac went to Abimelech, king of the Philistines at Gerar. And there was what? Another famine. And the famine will continue. Challenges will come. Difficult times will confront us. As we walk through the spectrum of wealth creation. In the cycle of plenty and little. But then watch this. In the verse 12. What does the scripture say Isaac did? Isaac sowed in the land in that year. The Zechariah 8 that we read said they would what? They would sow. If you never sow, there will be no reaping. Anyone that reaps without sowing is a thief. So the question is that what are you sowing? What seed do you have? At the core of these considerations is the unflinching focus of your attention on Christ and Christ alone. Brethren, there is no shortcut to this. The first sowing is the sowing of your heart, mind, and soul in God. And when you are sowing, it means you dig a hole and put whatever it is you're putting under. So bringing the totality of our being completely and making it subject to Christ and to God is the most important sowing you can do. Sow your life. A life of sacrifice. So when you read this uh, scripture in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, when he spoke of the Macedonian church, he said they first gave themselves to God before they started giving any alms to support the Christians. The first seed is yourself. I dare say that it is not enough only to have accepted Jesus Christ. There must be an intentional surrendering of your life completely to God. Jesus made mention of these things concerning wealth and well-being. He said, pagans consider the things they would eat, uh, drink, wear, and all that. That is for pagans to do. But you, your heavenly father knows very well that you need these things. Therefore, seek him and his righteousness. Seek his kingdom. Seek his kingdom. The rulership of God in our lives. The things that matter to God. Hallelujah. 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 And so you must understand that you must identify what you have. After you have surrendered yourself to Christ, you must sow. Depending on the stage within your life, you are a student, sow your time. You are a young person that has finished school, so in prayer. You are a new employee that has been employed in an office, so in intentional, deliberate hard work. So faithfulness, so integrity, so dependability. On earth, every quality in you and deploy it for the benefit of those around you. Because when you read Hebrews 6 and 7, it says that the land that continuously receives rain and bears fruit to them that it was cultivated for, it receives a blessing of the Lord. So when you are in unemployment, you have been employed to be of use to the people around you, your employers, civil servants, public servants, private sector workers, wherever you find yourself, work hard. In the working hard, sow your spiritual capacity of integrity, incorruptibility, 
the dependability, dedication, loyalty, so, so. Because if you do not sow, there is nothing to reap. When you start reaping, when you haven't sowed, you are a thief. But thank God that there are no thieves among us. But then you must understand that when you sow, there is a growing period. Growing period. So the, the scripture says that when he sowed, he reaped a hundredfold. But then his wealth grew. Growing period is not an instantaneous thing. It means you need to cultivate the habit of patience. The habit of patience. To wait and nurture that which you are sowing. So we are not sowing integrity only to a point when it doesn't yield that fruit. I'm even tired. Now I'm even... Everybody, everybody is profiting and I am, I, am, I am the only one that is not profiting because I am not doing the things they are doing. Brethren, sow integrity. And there is a time that your seed will grow. That is not a time for harvest. So when you have planted your seed and it has grown into a sapling, <laughs> you must have the patience to wait for it to bud. And bear fruit. You can't eat the sapling. In the same way, let us understand that the process of growth of the wealth of God goes through phases. You remember we indicated at the first instance that one of the categorical statements is that our wealth may come at different times and at different stages. So don't be in a hurry. If you are in a hurry and you pluck the sapling, that is the end of your harvest. The seed is in the harvest. But the seed must be sown. And when the seed is sown, it must be allowed to grow. And it will continue to grow. The way to grow wealth is to ensure that when you have harvested, as the scripture recorded in 2 Corinthians chapter 9 and the verse 10 as we read, you must keep some of the resources. He would give you seed. But then when you have harvested, he is looking for a harvest of generosity in you. Which means that it must be continuing. And so if you like, let's read the verse 8. 2 Corinthians chapter 9 and the verse 8. This is what it says. And God is able to make every grace overflow to you. So that in every way, always having everything you need, you may excel in every good work, as it is written, add in the verse 9, he is scattered, he gives to the poor, his righteousness endures forever. Hallelujah. When you receive your seed, it's not every seed that is consumed, but you must understand that the reason why God brings resources is not because of you. That is one of the things that we should understand. Anyone who wants to participate in God's, if you like, unstoppable provision, unstoppable increase, God's wealth, understand that he is not going to give the wealth to you because of you. Let us read Zechariah chapter 1 and verse 17. Zechariah chapter 1 and verse 17. And this is the word of the law concerning wealth. Proclaim further, this is what the Lord of hosts says. My cities will again overflow with prosperity. The Lord would once more comfort Zion and again choose Jerusalem. My cities would overflow with prosperity. The Lord would once again, once more comfort Zion and again choose Jerusalem. Hold it there and let us also read Haggai chapter 2. Haggai 2, eight, verses 8 and 9. Haggai 2, verses 8 and 9. He says, The silver and the gold belong to me. This is the declaration of the Lord of hosts. The final glory of this house will be greater than the first, says the Lord of hosts. I will provide peace in this land. This is the declaration of the Lord of hosts. Let me take it again. Haggai 2, the verse 8 and verse 9. 
The silver and gold belong to me. This is the declaration of the Lord of hosts. The final glory of this house will be greater than the first, says the Lord of hosts. I will provide peace in this place. This is the declaration of the Lord of hosts. Hallelujah. And the final scripture we are reading in connection with this particular point we're making is Deuteronomy chapter 8 and verse 18. Deuteronomy chapter 8 and verse 18. Deuteronomy 8 and verse 18. This is the word of the Lord. But remember that the Lord your God gives you the power to gain wealth in order to confirm his covenant he swore to your fathers as it is today. Remember that the Lord your God gives you the power to gain wealth in order to confirm his covenant he swore to your fathers as it is today. When you read scriptures, it is in Genesis 22 from the verse 15 down that this covenant that is recorded in Deuteronomy is mentioned. Where God said to Abraham that I'm swearing by myself that indeed blessing will I bless you. That through you all the nations of the world will be blessed. And that blessing that Abraham received related to Christ. Related to Christ. And so Hebrews writing about this same blessing in Hebrews 6 reading from the verse 13 down. He says that when God gave his promise, because there was no one greater, he swore by himself saying, bless now, bless you. And now the interesting thing is that the scripture records clearly that the oath was not meant for Abraham because Abraham had believed. But he said that in order that those of us who have come to take refuge in the certainty of this promise can be assured of it, he swore the oath. And so when Deuteronomy says that God is giving us power to make wealth so that he would confirm the covenant that has been underpinned by an oath, it means that there are overriding reason for God giving us the power to make wealth and making us benefit from his limitless resources is that we become a blessing to others. Hello? That is the overriding interest of God. That through us, others will become a blessing. And what greater blessing there is than the spread of the gospel. And so in the Zechariah 1 and 17, he said the prosperity would increase in the city so that Jerusalem will be chosen again. The peace of God that comes to a man only when he has seen Christ will be chosen again. This is God's desire for prosperity. And so anyone who does not understand this will be chasing prosperity for the sake of building houses. I don't say no, building houses is not correct. It's good. Build houses. But if build, building houses become your preoccupation why you want to become well, wealthy, then what is recorded in 2 Timothy becomes applicable to you. That those that desire to be rich have wandered away from the faith and have pierced themselves with untold hardships. As for the unstoppable increase from God, it is flowing. But it's only available for those who are availing themselves. Such that by the record of scripture in 2 Corinthians chapter 9 and verse 8, he is looking to make you a blessing so that you have everything you need at all times and have much more to spare. Spare for what? Spare to be a blessing to many. And so when you go to the verse 13, 14, and 15 of the same 2 Corinthians chapter 9, he says that by your generous act, two things will happen. The needs of the saints will be met and praise will rise to God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And so child of God, God wants to bless us. But he is the one that chooses who receives what? Because he knows who the sower of seed is and who the eater of bread is. And each one's needs will be met according to his grace. I want to encourage you. If you have perhaps somewhere, somehow become an eater of bread, let me encourage you to move to the place of sowing. Where the sowing will start with your own heart. Sow your heart to God. Be completely and totally devoted to the cause of God. I use myself as an example. To the glory of God, there is something that amazes my, my wife and I. 
there was a period in my life that I forgive my use of language probably I was making very foolish money there was so much money coming I didn't even know what to do with it I recall I had a conversation with late Apostle S.K. Bedu and I made a statement that Apostle why is it how daft I was Strangely, when those, if you like, unrestrained wealth ceased, I have entered another realm of doing more in the house of God with wealth that I didn't even know how I made I made them because I was making much more then than I'm making now. But I have been more useful now than I was then because it is now not dependent on what I am making, it is not dependent on what I am willing to respond and do. Are, are we together? So I can account for more having been done, which is in excess of what my mind can properly wind itself around and say that, ah, how did we do this? How did we make this? When we sit down to take stock of how God has done great things with us, we get marveled. But some time ago, so now I have told God that God, I, I am ready for the more. But child of God understand this. God owns everything, as we read from Haggai. Everything, everything, Psalm 24 says, the earth is the Lord and the fullness thereof, and everyone that dwells therein, everything belongs to God. So what would it take God to bless us? But if the blessing will become an entrapment, he would hold it back until we have grown and perfected the vessel to the point where the vessel can become useful to him. Then we will qualify for the plenty. And so, just a quick recap, or should I say restating on some of the critical practices that would ensure that you participate. I'm sure we'll have another time probably to go in depth on these matters. There are great keys. It says focus and maintain the God-first mentality. That is the first thing you should understand. If you want to participate in God's world, focus and maintain the God-first mentality. You should always have a source of income. There should always be a source of income so that you do not live on the benevolence of others. Look for an opportunity where you would create a source of income, no matter how small. For the blessing of the Lord can turn the very little into many. Keep an absolute confidence in God. Looking up to God as your only source with no alternative. Let me state that. Keep an absolute confidence in God. Looking to God as your only source with no alternative. Keep on learning and improving yourself. Keep on learning and improving yourself because it is necessary. The nature and size and capacity of the vessel will determine the amount of oil that would keep flowing. Be committed to producing quality and delivering excellence. Be committed to producing quality and delivering excellence. By all means, avoid waste. Avoid waste. Avoid waste. Unnecessary buying and expenses. Avoid. 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 The person for whose case you are buying more, more shoes, they don't even see it. If you have a dress or a shirt that you haven't worn for six months, it means you don't need it. You don't need it. So take it away. Let it, don't let it become a, a trap for you. And when you take it away, it doesn't mean that replace it. Take it away. Decrease your expenditure and increase your investment. Decrease your expenditure and increase your investment. And this is one of the very interesting things that attracts favor to you. Maintain a lifestyle of excitement and gratitude. Oh, maintain a lifestyle of excitement and gratitude. Look, let your life bubble with life. Rejoice in the Lord always again. I say rejoice. This is the scriptures. Rejoice irrespective of the circumstance. Rejoice. Rejoice in the Lord always. And I say Rejoice. 
this moment we are just going to make some declarations of our lives. We have prayed in tongues and we have charged ourselves in the spirit. So we are going to make declarations concerning the way our mind has been working and where we stand. We are going to declare that we have the touch of God over our lives and we are placing ourselves in the path of God's progressive advancement towards wealth. We are declaring that every waste in our life is denounced. We are declaring that every kind of covetousness in our lives is denounced. We are declaring that every laziness in our life we denounce. Every sense of entitlement, the demon of entitlement, we denounce. Anything that causes us to belittle humble beginnings, we denounce. So as you are going to open your mouth, I just want you to make a declaration. Make declarations into the spirit concerning that which you find as a bottleneck in your life. If you are too concerned about your only self, make declarations about it. If you have become too selfish, considering only that which matters to you, make declarations about it. Because the Lord is looking for the vessel that is prepared for his excellence in plenty to pour his unstoppable increase into such a one. Let your lips be released and make declarations concerning your life. I would rather that you pray with your understanding and make declarations with your understanding. Even still under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. We thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. As we stand before you, Lord, we reject any mediocre thinking. Anything that causes our minds to receive a thought that we do not deserve, the limitless flow of your provision, we reject it. Anything that causes our heart to faint, when we think about great resources, Lord, we reject it. Anything in our thinking and in our minds that make us not look forward to you as the provider of our resources, Lord, we reject it. Any faith and hope we have placed in any man as the source of our well-being, Lord, we reject it. You are our only source. You are our only provider. In the name of Jesus, we reject any foul language that has been spoken against us by anyone in our workplace, in our homes, and our communities. We reject it. We are indeed the splendor of your workmanship. We are the splendor of your workmanship. The repository of your spirit. The remnants of your prosperity. To show forth that the earth is yours and its fullness thereof. We stand before you, O God, today. That you have told us that, Lord, you have stored up the world of the heathen and the wicked for the righteous. It is our time that, Lord, we will rise from the ashes of irrelevance onto places of influence. In the name of Jesus, we declare the seed in our hands that have dried up, Lord, be replenished with life for us the living waters of your spirit brood over us. It contains life. So we speak life into the seeds in our hands. Seeds that have dried up in our hearts, O oh God, we revive by your spirit. In the name of Jesus, we declare we are alive in Jesus. And everything in our hands and about our lives is alive in Jesus. Lord, break forth your wealth over us. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, let these words that we have heard, the accuracy of your scriptures, 
the infallibility of your promises manifest greatly in our lives. Lord, confound those who have known us with your miraculous increase in wealth, for your wealth will be applied to your cause. Let it be a wonder unto the many that are around us that this is the finger of the Lord in the name of Jesus. The profitability of our businesses that have dwindled, we stand before you and declare a reversal of fortunes for our businesses in Jesus' name. The dwindling of clients for our professional work, oh God, we stand before you and declare a reversal of situation. Our clients will pay and pay good money. Father, every mediocre delivery in our activities, oh God, in Jesus' name, we reverse. Every lazy staff within our operations, in our offices and professions, oh God, we speak inspiration of your spirit into their lives. We energize every lazy heart in our office and in our businesses in Jesus' name. We declare and disperse every devouring foreign spirit operating in our finances and declare the Lord, your harvest will show forth. In the name of Jesus. We hope your heart has been quickened by hearing the word of God through this message. If you desire to accept Jesus as your Lord and personal Savior, please say this prayer with us. Lord Jesus, I believe you are the Son of God. You came to die because of my sins. I therefore accept you as my Lord and personal Savior. I will serve you all the days of my life. So help me, God. Amen. If you just said this prayer, we welcome you to the family of God. to find a place of worship where there is relevant teaching, heartfelt worship, passion and action toward the unsaved, constant prayer, compassionate care for the needy, and honest Christ-centered relationships. Then join us fellowship at the PIWC Dome at the Accra Technical Training Center, ATTC Kokomlimli Accra. Join our Miracle Dawn service every Wednesday, 5.30 a.m. to 7 a.m. and our Friday prayer meeting, dubbed Cry Out, from 6 p.m. to 8 p.m. For more information, contact us on 0502-444-814. You can also visit our website at piwcacra.org to know more. And let's get interactive on all social media platforms at PIWC Accra. Thank you. Until next time, we pray that you would reach out by faith and receive everything that's yours through God's grace. Ocean Deep, where we come face to face with God through His Word. You are blessed.